Oh, yeah, yeah. What had happened was I was outside talking about time with my grandson when I didn't know where 400 police vehicles came walking. They went busting up in that weird old white dude's house. He had a boat up in there. White dudes hold the record for creepy crimes. But And welcome to the second episode of the Netflix and Swill podcast. I am Dan Brennick, and I am joined, as always now, I can say that, by Caleb Brownlee. How you doing? Caleb, how's it going, man? It's dealing with uh, trying to get our audio, audio situation sorted out. Yeah, so as many people noted last week, we had a, a bit of a crackle on from your side and we've kind of reduced it but skype also doesn't want to take your take that specific microphone so we have very much done a weird setup to get this even going yeah i've got kind of an elaborate thing going on i'm actually on skype talking to you using a headset mic with a uh, xbox game controller (laughs) while recording (laughs) on my normal mic which um the reason that i was getting that crackle I actually, I'm not using like a digital USB microphone. Mm-hmm. I'm running it through my PA system because it's the same setup that I want to use to record music and everything. Right. So it's analog. So it was getting a bit of electrical current down the signal path and causing that crackle and distortion that you were hearing. So I picked up a filter, threw it on there. It seems to have reduced it by a great deal. Yeah. Um, I might still be getting a little bit, so hopefully that'll all be squared away. Caleb, it's time for what's your swill. So what are you what are you imbibing tonight? Well, I'm kind of uh, pre gaming in honor of the Epic Film guys. So what I have here is the Magic Hat Vamplifier. It's not a shitty beer. It is a hoppy red ale, five point two percent alcohol. It's got a, it's pretty hoppy. I don't know. I don't really understand the, uh, what the fuck is it? AB, AB, IBUs? ABV and IBUs. Yeah. I don't know what IBUs are. That's something bitterness units. Um, I assume that's a completely made up, uh, standard of measurement. I don't believe that exists. It's gotta be. Yeah. Cause there's no like taste is a subjective thing. It's not like, oh, that's a three bitterness. That's a 17 bitterness. Like, stop bullshitting me. Stop bullshitting yourself. <laughs> anyway, it's it's actually, it's real good. It's it's definitely got a hoppy punch to it. It's got just the right kind of lingering bitterness on the back of your tongue. And then uh, to wash the taste of good beer out of my mouth, on deck I've got another 40. This one is a Hurricane. I've never heard of that before, but I'm going to be drinking that son of a bitch out of a brown paper bag. I mean, if it's going to be anything like Katrina, you're in it for about a time. Well, it says it's a Category 5, so oh, I'm probably fucked. You're done. Uh, now, speaking of arbitrary scales, what do you feel about the Scoville scale for spiciness? Like, Do you feel like that's completely arbitrary? 
Well, they can actually measure the amount of capsaicin in it, so it's probably rooted in somewhat more of a scientific thing than, like, bitterness units. I don't know. <laughs> okay, well, Caleb, tonight I'm finishing up the second half of the PBR Pounders. Get after it. I don't want to. Please. It's You can't you, make me. You'll die. You will die. They've been sitting in my fridge for a week, and they're still god-awful. Like, age can't help these things. It's terrible. Yeah. So what? Uh, what's new? How was your week? What's going on? So I was in Ohio for most of the week. So unfortunately, I didn't get to catch everything I wanted to catch this week on Netflix. I still got to see uh, our topic of conversation for tonight, which is the get-down. I saw No Country for Old Men. I prioritize, prioritize that over everything. And I'm trying to think what else I want. Oh, our one-star review, which we'll get into later. Oh yeah, it's a it's a doozy. I think you put it out on Facebook on Thursday that you were watching it. I'm like, huh. So this is how you're gonna tell me about our one star review. You're just gonna post it on Facebook and hope that I see it. Yeah. <laughs> I I have a lot of things to say about that film. So it's 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 it it exists. But yeah. So Caleb, what did you catch up on Netflix wise? Netflix wise, I also watched binged all of the get down and mm-hmm. was really into that and i also checked out uh the fundamentals of caring that mm-hmm. paul rudd film that i was talking about last week so i have my thoughts on that otherwise in in non-netflix related news started diving back into animal crossing oh yeah yeah on the 3ds it's uh animal crossing new leaf the, mm-hmm. the latest one which came out three years ago now and yeah. for those of you who don't know and have never played Animal Crossing, it's a Nintendo game where you play as a person who moves into a village full of animals and you can make friends with them, decorate your house, you know, catch bugs, catch fish, dig up fossils and shit, which you sell to make money and try to pay the loan on your house. So every time you pay your house loan off, you can expand your house and make it bigger or add rooms and shit. So it's essentially an elaborate debt simulator meant to uh, prepare children for a life of depression based on having an exorbitant amount of debt. And after three years, my house is the biggest size that it can be in the game, and it's fully paid off. So now I can actually fucking play the game. (laughs) So I'm real excited about that. It's really the slave to Tom Nook simulator. Yeah. It's a a biting critique of capitalism. It really is, because it's like, oh, okay, I paid a little bit on my <laughs> debt, so I can actually, you know, buy more stuff with my debt. That's what that means, right? And you realize, no, that's not what you should be doing. You should just be paying on your debt. Oh, you brought me a dozen gold nuggets. I'll give you 30 bells for that. Yeah, it's like, it's like oh, what the fuck's his name? Rick something. From Pawn Stars? That guy? That, oh, yeah. The meme? And it's like, oh, yeah, you Rick brought me 30 gold Stars, nuggets. Yeah. Best I can do is 30 bucks for you. Yeah. Well, it's just going to take up space in the shop, and I got to try to move it, you know? That guy's a fucking piece of shit. We should give Dak Shepard a reprieve. Rick from Pawn Stars is our nemesis. He really? <laughs> he He's our enemy now. Speaking, speaking of the Dak Shepard, so, Justin, fuck you. <laughs> fuck. Fuck you. Yeah. I know I posted a picture of Chad Kroger. That was the fucking joke that I posted a picture of Chad Kroger. So fuck off. To be fair, they're both fucking awful. Yeah. 
Someone actually posted a uh, on the internet. They posted a comparison picture of Chad Kroger and Avril Lavigne to Dax she- to Dax Shepard and Kristen Bell, and it's <laughs> like, it's it's eerie. It's really really strange to look at that and be like, hmm, you guys look almost the same. I think that my celebrity lookalike that I get all the time is uh, Seth MacFarlane, especially. Yeah, I kind of do the shitty 12 year old boy faux hawk thing because i don't know what the fuck else to do with my hair and hate styling my hair so whenever i'm clean shaven and i do that i I fucking get it constantly i believe it i've never gotten a celebrity lookalike just ever it's never had like no one's like oh you look like so and so but when i was making my character in gta 5 keep going the way you're going you're gonna end up looking like danny devito i mean whatever (laughs) <laughs> but I was I was making my character in GTA Five and my char- like trying to make it look like me and for whatever reason it just didn't happen. It just, he just kept looking like Charlie Day. So my GTA character is just basically Charlie Day. There you go. Speaking of our uh, celebrity lookalikes, I yeah. picked up some new music. <laughs> so today, as of recording, uh, the volume two for the Stranger Things soundtrack is available through iTunes. Volume 1 was available last week. Volume 2 is available now. What's the difference on those two? They're they're different albums. What I thought was going on, because Volume 1 is all of the the cool synth soundtrack to it, so I was like, oh, Volume 2 must include like actual popular songs from the time that were in yeah. the show, like Sunglasses Night and shit like that. But what it actually was was even more of like the synth music that they created for the show. And altogether, between both volumes, it's 75 tracks. Jesus. Which I hadn't just, it didn't register with me while I was watching the show, just the volume of music that they produced for the show, which is pretty impressive. If you're looking to jam out to sunglasses at night, you're going to have to look elsewhere. Like, to the actual album it's on? Yeah. But I picked both of those up. They're $9.99 each. Um, I've been jamming out to those. I'm a big fan of electronic music in general. I'm really into like Dead Mouse and The Glitch Mob and Daft Punk and things like that. So it's right up my alley. Skrillex, which reminds me of the time we went to the Skrillex show. Yeah, that was a good time. That was a good time. I was definitely, uh, I'd probably rated about number three of my top concerts. Oh, okay. I would rate it higher if that dude who was wrapped around his girlfriend wasn't like moving his ass on my dick the whole night (laughs) like as soon as Skrillex comes on the whole the whole standing room area packs up and this dude just like stands in front of me and he's like holding his girlfriend and just swaying back and forth but his ass is touching my dick so it's just like okay I understand you you, you're you're trying to kind of almost fuck your girlfriend but I don't want to kind of almost fuck you. So you, you you need to bring this down a little bit. Like, this needs to stop. I mean, you gotta really weigh your options in that scenario. Maybe you should just get in there, you know? Just, like, punch him in the face and just grab the girl? Well, those opportunities don't come along every day, so you gotta take what you can get, man. Very true. Also, the uh, main show that we're gonna be talking about today, The Get Down, the... Mm-hmm soundtrack for that dropped on itunes and i picked that up as well 
is that also just original songs for for the show or is it you know some it's a mix there's uh there's some songs like there's a donna summer's song on it but it's a lot of the music and stuff that was created for the show and okay. that's available in the uh standard edition is i believe 9.99 and then i picked up the deluxe edition which is 13.99 which includes a few extra tracks and it has um some of the spoken word poetry that Ezekiel does on the show and it's really good. I've been I've been digging it. Is that narrated by Justice Smith? Like, yeah. Is he narrating Okay. Okay. Interesting. Yeah, I'm not into movie and show soundtracks. Like I'll listen to them every now and then. But typically I'm either listening to like podcasts like this fine one you're listening to right now. Or music. Music you'd hear on the radio or typically with the music I listen to this isn't a sound history at all. <laughs> you can find it mostly on YouTube because the radio doesn't play my shit. Well, some of the music that I had was getting a bit tired. I uh, mm-hmm. I haven't bought an album since the new Coheed and Cambria album came out, which that was, shit, I don't know, maybe like six months ago. Mm-hmm. It's It's been a minute. I picked those up. I'm really enjoying them. So, Caleb, you said that you watched The Fundamentals of Caring with Paul Rudd and others. Uh, Is there anything you want to say about that? Yeah. Well, Netflix's description of it is that it's an inspirational buddy comedy. It's made by Levantine Films in association with Worldwide Pants, which is, of course, um, the fuck's his name? The South Park? Is that South Park? No, it's, uh, it's David Letterman's production company. Oh, yeah, right, right. Yeah. Basically, Paul Rudd plays a character named Ben Benjamin, so he's a two-first-name person, and they're the same first name. Okay. Bad, that's bad writing. Yeah. That's bad writing, first of all, unless, unless you're going to mercilessly rip on it throughout the entire movie. They just kind of left it at that. Yeah, okay, that's bad writing. Especially if, it, especially if it's a comedy. Like, you can't... You can't not reference it. Yeah. Well, I'm not. That's, that's I'm not me. sure if it's really kind of based on a true story or something. Mm-hmm. So it might have just been the dude's actual name. I'm not sure. It is based on a book. I don't know mm-hmm. if the book is something that actually was true or not. Didn't do my homework on that. How dare you? Yeah. I should be publicly flogged. So Paul Rudd plays Ben Benjamin, and he is a caregiver for a young man named Trevor who has muscular dystrophy. Mm -hmm. So the opening of the film, he's in a training seminar for how to become a caregiver. And the uh, teacher of the class is basically saying, you can't care for another person unless you can care for yourself. So it's that Mm -hmm. kind of Paul Rudd kind of, oh, I hate myself and, you know, I'm going to be a dick to everybody, but you'll find out later that I have a heart of gold. Which I'm I'm utterly convinced that Paul Rudd is not an actor, that like he's just himself in all of these uh-huh. films. Like I think that that's just who he is. So either either that or he got typecast really hard because mm-hmm. he's pretty much the same person in all of his movies. That yeah, being like said, Wet Hot American Summer. Yeah, but that being said, this is exactly the kind of role that he was born to play. A bit about the character. He's a retired writer 
he's going through a divorce for reasons that they touch on in the movie. So he ends up being paired with Trevor, who has muscular dystrophy. And aside from just being sick, he's kind of a dick. So you got the double dick syndrome going on. Yeah, so he's always giving Paul Rudd shit, and like Paul Rudd just throws it back in his face. At mm-hmm. one point, Trevor tells him that he should call the Make-A-Wish Foundation for him and say that he wants a blowjob from Katy Perry. <laughs> <laughs> so Ben's giving him a lot of shit for being a dick and basically says, you know, just because you're in the wheelchair doesn't mean you have to be an asshole to everybody. To which Trevor replies, have you ever considered that maybe I'm a prick with or without the wheelchair? Trevor is obsessed with this show about weird roadside attractions across the country. So he makes Mm -hmm. a map of all these different things like world's largest bovine and world's deepest pit and all this shit. And he's just kind of obsessed with this because he's never been more than a mile away from home because of his condition. Throughout this, Ben's going through his divorce and everything, and he won't sign the papers. His wife is getting a court order and, like, having people sent to his place to try to force him to sign the divorce papers. Yeah. So he decides to take Trevor on this cross-country road trip and see all these things as a way, basically, of avoiding having to sign his divorce papers and deal with that whole situation. So they kind of go on this whirlwind adventure. They meet a couple other characters along the way. Selena Gomez is in the movie. She plays a character named Dot, who is kind of this girl that Trevor becomes... She becomes kind of a love interest for him. She says fuck constantly, because Selena Gomez is not on the Disney Channel anymore. She is, in fact, a fully grown adult. (laughs) I don't want to get too much into the plot, Mm-hmm. You don't want to spoil kinda, it for others. Yeah. At one point early on in the film, Ben is asking Trevor, if you woke up tomorrow and you were just completely fine, you know, what would you do before they end up going on this trip? And Trevor's mm-hmm. response is, well, you know, being able to piss standing up would be pretty cool. So throughout the film, anytime they stop at a rest stop or something, he's Paul Rudd's trying to hold it this kid up. And helping yeah. piss standing up and just kind of basically getting pissed on. <laughs> so that's kind of a running gag throughout the movie. All in all, I liked it a lot. It's it's not something that is an instant classic like Stranger Things would be, but it's definitely a very good movie. I liked it a lot. Mm-hmm. I would rate it four out of five stars. It's it's a good comedy flick. It, I think, has a positive message. You know, the dry sarcastic Paul Rudd style humor if that's your thing it's definitely one to check out so okay so I wanted to see No Country for Old Men because after my story last week there was almost no reason to not watch it oh yeah I don't understand how that girl thought this was a boring movie because within the first 10 minutes Javier Bardem kills two people with a gun. Or no, he he kills a police officer. And then he uses that air tank he carries around to kill a random civilian. I don't so I don't understand how that's boring. What, why is there any reason why he's killing all these people? Does he have a list or what? No, I <laughs> He he actually doesn't have a reason. 
Like it it seems like he's unhinged a bit. So he just kind of does things to do things. So like there's another scene like slightly later in the movie where he's in a convenience store or not like a convenience store but like you know when you go into a gas station they have all that shit around like a general store or whatever. He's like talking to the clerk food? and the clerk well yeah. But like food, drink, <laughs> food, drinks, cigarettes, condoms, that kind of shit. Like the sort of things that you would find in a store. Yeah. Fascinating. Go on. I hate you. I hate you. He's talking to <laughs> he's talking to the clerk, and the clerk just says something that sets him off. So he's like, "All right, we're gonna play. I'm gonna flip this coin, <laughs> and if." If it's heads, you live, and it's tails, you die. Like he ba- he doesn't explicitly say that because the clerk is very confused with what Javier Bardem's saying the entire time. But it's heavily insin- it's heavily implied that Javier Bardem, whatever it's not the clerk calls, he will kill the clerk. But the clerk the clerk calls it correctly, so you know Javier Bardem is willing to kill people just based off of what you've seen in the first ten minutes. The ba- the basic main plot of the story is that Josh Brolin is hunting, I guess, in the desert. He comes across a failed drug deal and picks up a briefcase that has uh, roughly $2 million in it. So Javier Bardem is hired by Stephen Root to track down this briefcase of money and bring it back to him. A majority of the movie is just a cat and mouse game between Josh Brolin and Javier Bardem. In the story, you have Tommy Lee Jones, who is the sheriff for this county. He's close to retirement. He's like in his 60s. You know, it's Tommy Lee Jones. He's playing an older guy at this point. It seems like there are, in fact, a lot of old men in this movie. There are. There are and that's the point. Is that every step of the way that this cat and mouse chase goes, Tommy Lee Jones is just always a step behind. So it actually factors Is he getting him. too old for this shit? He isn't Danny Glovering it yet, but that weighs on him because he's like, well, I can't keep up with what's, you know, the current goings on. So, but if, so if I can't keep up, what's the point of me being what I am? Right. So it's really, it's like, for the most part, you're, you're engrossed by the cat and mouse of Javier Bardem and Josh Brolin. But then you also have the subplot of Tommy Lee Jones realizing, well, maybe I'm just totally ineffective or whatever. So I mean, like, it's a really good movie with a lot of a lot of tone, like undertones, like the the whole can the can the older generation actually keep up with the younger generation and stuff like that. I rate this a four and a half stars out of five. I mean, it it's one of the great movies for a reason. It it, it definitely is one of the last like one of the great movies of the last ten years. Definitely recommend that. That's one that I missed whenever it came out, so I'll definitely have to check that out. I just cracked into the second PBR, and it was... Yeah, this hurricane is real bad. Oh, you got into that? Oh, yeah. I'm operating under the assumption now that all 40s are terrible. Just every single one. Like, there's just no chance of anyone being good ever. They actually sell liters of bush, and I was thinking about getting one of those oh. and just getting fucking redneck hammered. Oh. You'd have to get the camo cans. Like, there's no ands, ifs, or buts about that. The camo cans actually taste better. Really? Yeah, because it's is in it, a camo can. Is it because you can't see it? 
<laughs> and therefore you can't drink it because well, you, you can can't see, see it. you can see right through it anyway because it's water. All right, Caleb, we've gone long on the intro segment, so let's take a quick promo break here, and when we come back from it, we're going to talk about the get down for an extended period of time. So. The Epic Film Guys podcast is a film comedy podcast with two best friends celebrating everything we love about going to the movies. We've got great beer, amazing guests, and quirky characters unlike anything you've ever heard before. Usually Nick makes me wait. He wants to try to give me cinema blue balls and make me wait until the night of the podcast. I will no, go so he... far as to say that I thrive on giving Justin cinema blue balls. I remember being a young man and my mother telling me I didn't have a name because I was illegitimate. I don't know what that word means. <laughs> well, I just assumed you were drinking that chocolate stout that you were going to make with the cheapest crap chocolate ice cream in a Miller Lite. I hide. I'm sitting here and I'm hiding. I'm in the darkness. Subscribe to the Epic Film Guys on iTunes, Stitcher, Spreaker, or your favorite podcast app. And we'll see you at the movies. Let me tell you a little story. You know, Trip, not too many people know this, but um, I used to be gay. I mean, I'm still gay, but I used to be like really gay, like suck so many dicks I want to get anything done gay, you know. But a great man once said that the past cannot be changed. The future is yet in our power. I mean, look, we both have checkered pasts, you know, you selling sores and me with my excessive dick sucking but we save lives now the past cannot change that but hey what do i know i'm just batman welcome back everybody welcome back caleb it's time to get into the get down an episode a netflix show that you were very excited for so let's start with your thoughts what did you think about the get down I was very entertained with it and pretty much enthralled with it. It was really good. It hit on a lot of things that I really enjoyed, and uh, I was excited to see it when I first saw the trailer for it and definitely didn't disappoint me. When you suggested we go see this, I didn't even watch the trailer. I just basically watched the first episode and then just went, well, I need to see more of this. Oh, yeah. As soon as I was done watching No Country for Old Men... I went immediately into the show. That's the great thing about this show is that from the very beginning of it, it just pulls you in. So when I was talking about it last week, I thought that every episode was going to be an hour and a half long. And I was very fortunate to be wrong with that, that everything was like <laughs> under an hour. They are long. They're, yeah, they're, they're still about an hour long, but they're not an hour and a half long. Yeah, the... The first episode is an hour and 37 minutes, I believe. Yeah, something like that. Which is crazy. Like, it's it's a feature-length movie. And then, fortunately, everything else is under an hour, because otherwise I never would have gotten through that show with all my, <laughs> with all my business tripping. You're always tripping on business. <sighs> I'm a very important businessman on a very important business trip. Well, a little background on the show. It's set in 1977 in New York. The Bronx. Yeah. And it's really cool because it 
covers a lot of historical events that are happening at the time. So they involve Ed Coach's campaign for mayor. The New York blackout happens during the course of the show. So they touch on a lot of actual historical events and kind of weave this story throughout that. Yeah, and it's, like I said last week, it's very, still very much a coming-of-age story. You know, it's it, it doesn't just follow Ezekiel and Mylene. It follows, you know, Shaolin Fantastic. It follows Dizzy. It follows the other three kids in the group who aren't prominently displayed. Well, no, there's only two other kids. There's Ra-Ra and Boo-Boo. Oh, you're right, you're right. So, yeah, three of the main boys that it focuses on, which are Ra-Ra, Dizzy, and Boo-Boo, are all brothers. Wait, and are they? Then, I thought, yeah, I thought it yeah, was they're all Ra-Ra brothers. and Dizzy. Now, I'm pretty sure Boo-Boo is their brother, too, because they're always in the house together having breakfast. Like, they kind of have a community yeah. dinner or whatever, like, every day, so they're always in the room together, but I'm pretty sure they're all brothers. Huh, okay. And then Ezekiel is this kid who was orphaned through drug-related violence. Yeah. And he lives with his aunt and uncle and is... Well, well, technically, sort of, technically, he is not his uncle. It's just his uh, his aunt's boyfriend. So, tech oh. by a technical term, he is not his uncle. That's not his uncle. Okay, but I I didn't pick up on that. Yeah, idiot. But, my bad. Fucking. So I, he's. I'm done. I'm not doing this podcast anymore. You don't. You can't get your <laughs> information straight. So he's he's trying to deal with the loss of his parents and find his way in the world and he's very smart not really confident in in being smart because it's the bronx and if you're not a gangbanger or whatever you're you're gonna get capped (laughs) yeah you're gonna get picked on or nah and that's what and that's what actually gets touched on by almost tyra banks his his english teacher she she actually calls him out on that saying that you're afraid to be smart because you don't want people to look down on you. You don't want to get you don't want to face the jeers. Which is ironic because whenever he starts hanging around with these other characters that he meets throughout the show, they give him the street name Books. Yeah. Because he's smart. Yeah, it's 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 a weird dichotomy that in school it's uncool to be smart, but on the street, if you're smart, then you know, that's something to be, that seems like a character trait to be desired. So, this series takes place, like I said, in 1977, which, obviously, you know, it's it's a musical, more or less. It's about, basically, the story of how rap came to exist. It started with DJ Cool Herc, and then the show focuses on uh, Grandmaster Flash, and one of the main characters, Shaolin Fantastic, is Grandmaster Flash's apprentice, so he's teaching him how to spin records and all this stuff. So it was kind of a revolutionary time in music because this was the first time that anybody had ever thought of using a turntable not to play music, but using a turntable as an instrument. Right. And it's pretty fascinating to watch the show and kind of see how that came about. Yeah, like, especially, I think it was episode two where they learned about the crayon, the secret of the crayon. Yeah. Grandmaster Flash poses this challenge to Shaolin Fantastic and Ezekiel and the rest of the crew. 
the Fantastic Four plus five. Uh, plus plus five. <laughs> the Fantastic Four. The Fantastic Four plus one. <laughs> he holds up a crayon. He's like, if you can solve the riddle of the crayon, you know, you can figure out how to DJ. So he gives them 24 hours to figure this out, giving them no mm-hmm. clues other than, oh, this crayon can help you DJ. And they're just like, what the fuck is this dude talking about trying to figure this out? <laughs> they smoke too much. It's like they smoke too much peyote and they're like, oh, okay, yeah, this seems legit. And then like hours later, they come down off their high and like, what the fuck was that dude talking about? Yeah, like they could have just thrown a scene in of him sculpting a mountain out of mashed potatoes and just like, this means something. <laughs> <laughs> but it turns out that they actually physically mark on the record with the crayon where the beat to loop is so they can always find the same spot so that they're, the music kind of flows between the two turntables. They always kind of back the record up to the same position to keep the beat flowing at a steady rate. Really interesting to see how they, how they pull that off. I feel like I can DJ now, just as long as I get two records of the same type, because that's actually the other thing, is like, uh, both turntables can t- like, typically have the same record, mm-hmm. so like, as long as, I feel like I can DJ now, like, I've seen the secrets of DJing, so, I might, I might go to, uh, the Captain Loomis Inn and Clarion and just supplant DJ Meatspin, <laughs> see how that goes. Oh man, I forgot about DJ Meatspin. <laughs> That was that was one of my better nicknames that I came up for people while I was in college. People who are just like the most generic piece of shit DJs in the world. And, hey guys, look, I'm going to scratch my record. <laughs> uh, 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 yeah, I'm a DJ. Oh, yeah. well, the show also takes place at a time where a lot of other interesting things were happening in music. So while in the Bronx, all of the different DJ crews were find, finding out how to spin their records and, you know, kind of create new things out of existing music. At the same time, it was the height of disco fever. 77 was like the height of Kiss. It was like when they really got big. It was when punk music was being pioneered. So they make Ezekiel ends up meeting a white girl who hates her parents and she asks him about oh, the yeah, Ramones yeah, yeah. and stuff. I was going to say, who 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 talked about the Ramones? And then I remember, yeah, it was in like the, the second to last episode. Yeah, because she's white and she doesn't like her parents, so she listens to punk music. So she listens to the Ramones. Yep. And it's so funny because uh, the, the kid asks about, oh, don't you know punk music? And like they mention the Ramones and Ezekiel's like, no, what's punk? And the mom's like, you've never heard I Want to Be Sedated? <laughs> <laughs> of course the mom wants that because she's oh, it's, she's basically a wasp. Yeah. Like, like, and she has a teen daughter, so that's got to be a nightmare. Yeah, she doesn't do anything. So, I mean, she probably just does drugs all day. <laughs> and that's the other thing. There are a lot of fucking drugs in this show. There are times where I can't tell if they're smoking cigarettes or smoking dope. Yeah. Basically, whenever it's, like, a real big fatty, I assume it's dope. Whenever it's real skinny, I assume it's a cigarette. I don't know how accurate that is, but... I, I mean, they smoke it the exact same way every time. Like, they smoke they smoke the fatties and the, and the skinnies the same time. Like, the same way. Like I, So it's hard to tell sometimes. Yeah, I don't know. 
being the avid music fan that I am, this show really spoke to me because of, you know, his struggles to find his creative voice, as well as just kind of getting some background on just what the popular music of the time was, but also kind of having that insight into the creative process and how a genre that I'm not the hugest rap fan, but I, I do like the old school stuff that, you know, they were kind of creating on the show before it, you know, became super commercialized and what have you. And Kanye West existed, but it's, I, it, I like some Kanye. I'll, I'll admit that. I like some Kanye. Yeah. Some Kanye is very good. And then some Kanye is just terrible. I don't know. It's, it's just really interesting to see how that all came about. So. And then, and then he has, then he has his current wife. <laughs> Top us on a motorcycle while he raps. <laughs> such a weird video. That's, that's, what a great music video. So what did you think about the cinematography in the get down? Okay, I can't really speak to how cinematography is because if you've ever seen a picture I've taken, it's terrible. <laughs> like the composition's terrible, everything about it's terrible. The the interesting thing about the cinematography though is for the most part, it's shot at least with the filter, it's shot similar to how you see any other show shot. However, there are instances where they would switch to a, a more grainy filter to make it look like it was shot in 1977. There are times where you see like people just running around on the street, especially during the riots during the blackout. Yeah. You would see people running around the street in the like the 1977 filter. And also, they actually spliced in a lot of vintage footage from that time in with the stuff they were shooting. And that's the thing. Like sometimes you couldn't tell. Like okay, what, like this looks really real. Like did they get actors to just basically run through this and do this again, or is this actual spliced footage? So they did a very good job with that with that older filter. Yeah, it was it was damned impressive. And the other thing that I really liked about it was pretty much how you know just like mixing the records back and forth, you never miss a beat. Mm-hmm. The show just moves along. There's there's not a wasted frame in it. Similar to what I said about Stranger Things, like it moves along at a good pace and mm-hmm. doesn't have a lot of filler. Well, yeah, this is only six episodes. So right. you don't have a lot of time for filler. But also it's, it's full. Like each episode is very full of content, but it's not overly busy. Like, there's not just a billion things going on. Like, you can follow it, you know, at a reasonable pace. But, you know, while a character is talking, they'll splice in these different cuts and stuff. So visually, there's just something happening all the time. And it's really a lot of fun to watch, and I've found it really engaging because of that. So, let's talk about, like, the different subplots, uh, speaking of, of engaging... So we basically have, I guess the main plot is Ezekiel's story because you see when they flash forward to 1996, I'm, that's, that is Ezekiel, right? Like that's not... Yeah. Yeah, so I thought that was a really awesome thing that they did because they kind of frame what's happening within the show of Ezekiel telling his story of 1977 by, they frame that within Ezekiel on stage giving a concert like a, a rap concert 
in the modern times and that, i thought that was really cool i didn't like the actual like i guess lyrics are the word because typically when you i feel like when you're trying to tell a story through song you want it veiled a little bit more but when you're dropping name after name after name after name it's just like okay, okay well you're not even trying to veil it you're just explicitly telling the story and these people who are listening unless they're fans of yours aren't gonna give a shit so i i was kind of pulled away from that like i didn't like that as much i understand like there are times where like the flow was good and all that other stuff but like sometimes the lyrics were just off for me but like i appreciate what they're trying to do it's just it didn't always work for me in that case i don't know i i didn't really feel that way i thought it all landed pretty well i don't know i'm just a lyrics guy i if you're lyric like i like blink 182 a lot their lyrics are garbage like most of the time (laughs) their lyrics are fucking garbage you heard it here first folks dan hates blink 182 that's why I'm going to see them next week. <laughs> but yeah, so you get the Ezekiel, so the I guess the main story of Ezekiel, uh, following his transformation from, you know, shy poet to, I guess, more brazen frontman for his rap group, Fantastic Four Plus One, or I think they call themselves the Get Down Boys. Well, I forget, yeah, I they. Forget um... the dra- I forget what's on the jacket at the end. I. It's the Get Down Brothers, is okay, what they it. call that's themselves, it. which they go through this kind of transformative journey because of what's going on, and they end up changing their name and finding a new identity through that. So like, it, it covers Ezekiel. It, it, it's basically Ezekiel growing up. So like, as the show progresses, Ezekiel gets more co- uh, comfortable with himself and more confident with himself to the point where he can, you know, not let Mylene walk all over him. He can, you know, just be himself while still maintaining that relationship he has with Mylene. Yeah, and that was a really interesting thing, too, because while he's on this transformative journey, uh, Mylene is this girl that he knows from school and grew up together. And, you know, she's his main love interest in the show, but she wants to become a disco singer, so she doesn't want to get kind of caught up with somebody from the neighborhood and end up getting stuck there and just being like anybody else because she has an amazing voice and is trying to launch her singing career. So that's kind of her ticket out of the Bronx. And there's similar themes in Ezekiel's journey where since he is so smart, he's got opportunities to take on internships, to go to colleges, things like that. And he's also really passionate about his music and he's not sure, you know, whether he should do one or the other, but him and Mylene at the same time, pretty much have the realization that they can have both, which I thought was really cool. And some good, uh, good character development there that they're learning to take on more responsibilities. Yeah. You see them become adults because it's like, Hey, if you actually, you know, work at it you can have your cake and eat it too like aside real quick why is that a phrase because if i'm going to have my cake of course i'm going to eat it it doesn't make any sense well if you eat it you don't have it anymore oh okay i see 
I see. <laughs> okay. Understand it. Okay. Unpause. <laughs> back to back to the real back to the real situation here. So, yeah, like when you're when you're an adult, you realize, oh, I can actually, you know, do certain things as long as you know I work hard enough at this thing to be done on, like to be done with it, and then move on to the next thing. And, and as kids, you're just like, well. I'm going to have so many responsibilities as an adult. I'm just never going to be able to do anything. Like I'm, I'm going to be able to like do one thing and one thing only. And I can't, I can't. So it, yeah, like you said, it's, it's character development. It's, it's knowing that, Hey, you know, adulthood is hard, but it's not as hard as I made it out to be. And that I thought was a really cool theme within the show too, that, you know, as kids, people always ask you, well, what do you want to be when you grow up? And you decide on one thing. But when you become an adult, that's not the case. You can be many things. And whenever you add more things to the list of things that you are, or the things that you do, it doesn't take away from that. It actually enriches your life a lot. So watching those characters kind of come into that and discover that was really interesting. So, yeah, we've touched on Ezekiel's plot. We've touched on Mylene's plot. We have two other, two other like subplots to me, like those, uh, like Ezekiel, Mylene are like our main characters. But like, so we have Shaolin Fantastic subplot, where he's basic. I I honestly don't know how old Shaolin Fantastic is. Like it he seems, seems like older than the group. He seems like he's maybe in his mid twenties, whereas yeah. the kids are between fifteen and eighteen. Yeah. So like. That's what it seemed like to me. Like, he's past college age. He's, like, a young adult trying to figure out, like, what he wants to do in life. So, like, he's he morphs from, you know, runner for a crime ring. Yeah, and Bronx. he's caught up in some crazy shit. Oh, yeah. it's he, he lives a crazy life. Like, he's a tagger, and then, you know, he wants to be a DJ, so he stops being a tagger so he can be a DJ, and... Meanwhile, trying to balance out his whole, you know, I'm a run, I'm a drug runner for a crime ring, and now I'm actually to eventually a point where he takes over an entire segment of the crime ring because of later events in the show. Xiao doesn't have as much character development because he's he's very much the hey, you're not going to just get anything. You don't. Like nothing is given to you, you have to earn everything. So he's very much along the lines of, you know, he stays he stays grounded. Whereas you know Ezekiel is, hey, I'm getting stuff kind of given to me at this point. Like this is easy. So like like as we like I was saying with before, Ezekiel, you know, adulthood isn't as hard for him as he thought it would be. But that's because he's kind of getting things easy, I guess. But so hopefully in like part two, we get to see a little bit more difficulty for him and the group. Yeah. And I guess that's kind of true because I wouldn't say things are easy for Ezekiel because of him being an orphan and the other things that have happened to him in his life. But he does have his aunt, whereas, and he has people who care about him, whereas Shell basically is on his own. Right. And 
I guess just saying easy is is wrong. I would just say easier than others. Like it definitely seems like things come to him easier than you know Shao or you know any of the other people he's with. Especially because you know with Mylene's whole story, her dad is very much against her becoming a disco singer. And yeah. very much against that whole lifestyle. So, you know, it's not easy for her to try to become a disco singer because of her dad. And, like, her dad being a, a, a man of, of faith. I think that's kind of the great thing about Ezekiel's character, is that he is a bit of a dreamer, whereas Shao is very grounded in reality and sort of pessimistic about things and definitely has big ambitions in his music and everything. But he's, I guess, not willing to let himself hope. Like, he knows that he has to work hard for it. But Ezekiel ends up being the one who solves a lot of their problems just because because of his upbeat nature and his kind of quick-thinking attitude. He's able to see solutions that no one else can. So the, the last, sub point, uh, last subplot I want to talk on is uh, Dizzy. I... I feel like he is like you have your your two main characters in Ezekiel and Mylene, and then your secondary characters are to meet Shao and like like not secondary but like next tier is Shao and Dizzy to me because Dizzy mm-hmm. gets like it's Jaden Smith playing Dizzy so he's gonna get some screen time in this but it's it's Dizzy you know morphing from just being that free spirited weird kid to finding out more about who he is and what he is. And I don't I don't want to get too much into spoilers here, but during I think it's it's either the end of the 5th episode or the beginning of the 6th episode, he winds up going to a party and he's just his mind is just open to a whole new subsect of culture. <laughs> Definitely winds up in I would say a uh kind of a niche culture that he had never been exposed to before. So that was interesting to watch his kind of story arc. I I thought he was a really cool character. Yeah. Like you just feel like it, like what he's exposed to fits in with what his character is. Like he, it's like, it's a very free environment where he's what he's introduced to as opposed to, the typically restricted environment that he's normally forced into. So you finally, he finally gets the place to feel like he's himself, I guess. And the really cool thing about it too, is um, the one thing that he always puts on his tags and the logo that he has on his jacket, it's an alien wearing a top hat. Mm -hmm. And he explains it as being this character that, you know, no matter how much he tries to look good and, do what's proper and fit in people are always going to lash out against him because you know if you see an alien wearing like a suit and top hat you're not going to think oh there's a well-dressed guy you're going (laughs) to think there's a fucking alien and that's kind of a metaphor for how he feels growing up Mm -hmm. so it's really cool to see him kind of grow in that way too and maybe accept himself more it kind of left it just kind of right there. It didn't show a whole lot. Yeah. After. Yeah, he to, hasn't gone. He hasn't gone back. He hasn't. It hasn't he hasn't been, really like, had on. that transformative experience yet. Yeah. But they kind of alluded to 
you know, him maybe stepping into a a bigger world and I wouldn't be surprised. <laughs> I, it's really hard to not spoil this, like, but I wouldn't be surprised if he wasn't part of like if his storyline didn't lead into the big crisis in the eighties with mm. the community he's stepping in with. That's, oh, yeah. that's that's me making an assumption. I wouldn't be surprised to see him involved in that whole that whole crisis. Yeah, and that's that's possible too. Yeah, I didn't really think of that. So there's all these different characters with their various interweaving subplots, mm-hmm. and then there's another kind of overarching plot, which is just basically what's happening in the Bronx at the time. So you have this character, his name is. They show they call him on the show Papa Fuerte. It's Mylene's uncle, mm-hmm. and he's involved in politics, and he's trying to basically get money from the city to rebuild the Bronx and build affordable housing for the people there and try to solve some of their problems. He ends up getting involved with the uh, mayoral race of Ed Koch, mm-hmm. and they kind of leave it unresolved like the end of the show is when Koch gets elected as the mayor basically so that'll be another plot thread for part two which which is coming in 2017 which can't come soon enough at this point for me I know uh, like I hope they release another album you got the sense that like I know this is stupid to ask but you got the sense that Papa Fuerte is getting some money from you know not so clean areas, right? Uh, definitely. He's sort of like a pirate, honestly. Like, he definitely, his brother is Malin's father, who is the priest of the church, and his right. brother is estranged from him because he thinks that he's a wicked and sinful person and for much of the show won't have anything to do with him because of his business dealings, so. I mean, there's just so much shit that happens within Mylene's family. It's actually ridiculous. Like, like Mylene, like, at some point, takes a step back in her own plotline for her family's plotline to come forward. And then that affects everything that Mylene's about. And then Mylene comes back into her own plotline. Like, it's, it's, it's really well written because you don't... Oh, yeah. You don't feel like Mylene's slighted. But she is still pushed back because there's still the plot line between Mylene's father, mother, and Papa Fuerte that that explains a lot. I think that in part two, there's going to be kind of some dark family secrets that come out mm. in Mylene's family that are going to affect her character a lot. So Even more dark than what we learned. So what did you think about the series overall? I enjoyed the get down a lot. You know, uh, the history of rap is interesting because when rap, when the rapping is first introduced and Mylene is, is first seeing is first seeing and hearing it. She's just like, well, wait, there's no singing. It's right. just noise. Like, and that's, you got that from the pawn shop owner who is, who Rick Harrison also is like, yeah, it's just <laughs> noise. I don't understand you realize, oh, okay, so that happened when it first started, and there are people up till, you know, probably, there are probably even people today that don't understand that rap isn't just noise, it's just 
a different way for for art for anybody with musical inclination to express themselves. So learning about the history of rap is very interesting, especially because you know with the blackout of New York, they talked about before like there's a before and after. There's before there's like the three kings or so, or is, it, is the three kings like the five kings of yeah there of were rap? basically five different crews that were DJing. There was DJ Cool Herc, who was the guy who started it all. There's Grandmaster Flash, and there were three other crews, and that was it. So after the blackout happened, every everyone just looted the town, basically. So all these people ended up with turntables and mixers and shit that they stole. So there were just a million DJ crews. Yeah. And so and like, most of them were shitty. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Some of them have bomb ass speakers, but are still terrible. So, like, I'm a sucker for history. Like, I love history. So, being based on the real world and having great story elements, in my opinion, this is a four and a half star out of five series for me. Like, Netflix really knocked it out of the park with the Get Down. So, what did you? What did you? What were your thoughts on the Get Down? The the history of the genre fascinated me. As a musician, there were a lot of things that really resonated with me in the show. And I thought the cinematography was excellent. I thought the acting was excellent. The casting was perfect. I would definitely call this a five-star show. It's a five-star show, 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 show. (laughs) I loved it. (laughs) Good, good. So, yeah, basically, guys, we recommend the show to anybody and everybody who even cares about anything at all if you have feelings if you like show. music if you are a musician if you care about music in any way if you like drama basically if you like anything that has been recorded either audio or visual this is a good show and you should check it out yeah and even if you don't it's still a good show like, you don't have to appreciate the history of rap. It's just a good show. So what do you think about this show's budget? This show was estimated at about $120 million to produce just really? the first six episodes. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So this six-episode Netflix series had a bigger budget than Deadpool. That... I... By, like, $30 million. That's that's really interesting because I'm trying to figure out where they would have spent it. And I mean, when you when you reference Deadpool, I mean, this show is how many it's 5 episodes times an hour. It's six and a half hours long. So, I mean, 120 well, million it's, it's amortized over. So, it's about seven and a half, eight hours. Yeah. That's not bad. Like 120 million over. Well, it's not it's not great, let's be honest here. It's not like Game so of Thrones shit. Basically, twenty million an episode. Yeah, that's. I find that hard to believe, honestly. Well, it's definitely the most expensive thing Netflix has produced to oh, date. Oh, clearly. Like, like you said, like I think they knocked it out of the park. I think that it's hands down the best hundred and twenty million they've ever spent. <laughs> <laughs> My mind's just blown. I can't believe they spent that much money on the show. Yeah. Well, they definitely pulled in some serious talent, and they oh. produced all the oh, original music for it. 
and probably a lot of it was uh, creating the sets because they have like an entire ruined city that they run around in. That's very true. Yeah, now I guess I can see where it comes. Like, you have your fixed assets in the in the ruined city, and then right. you just it it varies from episode to episode. Okay, everything okay, everything's fine. They burn down a building in it. You know, they destroy cars and shit in it. So yeah, they got my a lot inner, of stuff going on. My inner accountant is very much like how, like, <laughs> please, please, these letters, these letters don't make sense. Please make sense. Yep, oh. 120 million. Wow. I wow. Caleb, I need some time to process 120 million going into a Netflix series. So we're going to cut into a quick promo break. And when we come back, we're going to do our one-star review of Adam Sandler's Ridiculous 6, which it's I don't it's think it's going to happen. I uh, yeah, so just stay tuned after the promos and yeah. We'll all take a bite of this shit sandwich together. <sighs> What's up, guys? Be sure to check out Now That I'm Older on the Rogue Intel Podcast Network. Me and Kenny sit down and talk about how getting older sucks, but can be awesome at the exact same time. We also look at pop culture, review a few movies, share some personal stories, and just basically poke fun at the world around us. Be sure to check out Now That I'm Older on the Rogue Intel Podcast Network. What up, everybody? It's Razor. This is Fear. And MDI. And we are Fifth Cast, the premier show of the FYFC Podcast Network. We like to talk. Hell, we'll talk about anything. World events and personal stories. Technology and pop culture. And once even, pterodactyl porn. Seriously, that's a thing. Google it. New episodes are available every Friday on iTunes and Stitcher Radio. Also, subscribe to the video podcast on youtube.com slash FYFC podcasts. I'm not sure why you were yelling, but that was excellent. Now, fuck your face and back to the show. We said normal voice. I know, but I like that one. <laughs> we're freaking awesome. God damn it! Who the hell drilled my box? So, we're just done with phrasing, right? That's not a thing anymore? And welcome back from the promo break, everybody. Before we get into our one-star review, Caleb, I want to check in on you. How are you doing with your swill tonight? I'm about halfway through this 40, and it's real bad. <laughs> I am on my th- my final, thank God, final PBR pounder right now. And I feel way better than I did last week, so hopefully we can end strong instead of me being all slurry and stuff. Are you excited to never drink PBR again? I can't promise that I won't do it again. If a certain guest <laughs> uh, whose name rhymes with Mustin Quescavel shows up on the show, I might have to bust this out again. <laughs> All right, Caleb. So we had to drink especially hard tonight because of our one-star review uh, segment here where we're going to be reviewing Adam Sandler's Ridiculous Six. And you posted on Facebook that you were watching this. And I commented saying, oh, so this is how you're going to tell me that this is our one-star review for the week, huh? That yeah, you're just gonna that's, post on Facebook. that's pretty much going to be the format going forward. <laughs> I'll just put up that I'm watching a shitty movie and tag you in it. Yeah, that sounds fine. So, yeah, <laughs> what, do you, what compelled you to even watch the movie 
What even compelled you to watch Ridiculous 6? Like, were you just like, yeah, we need something, I guess. Was that it? Or were you just like, yeah. I legitimately want to watch this Adam Sandler movie for some godforsaken reason. Like, as soon as I came up with the idea of doing one-star reviews on each episode, I was like, God damn it, that means that I'm going to watch the Adam Sandler Netflix original movies. <sighs> now I wish you didn't so, have that idea. I I figured I would just get it out of the way okay. early so I can go back to thinking about the get down. Yeah. <laughs> get down on it. Get down on it. Sorry. Go ahead. So here's the thing with Ridiculous 6. Okay. This is, it was the first of a three picture deal that Adam Sandler had with Netflix. Right. They've done two. They're making another one. I can't deal with three. I'm going to tell you that right now. I can't. <laughs> if this is, if this is, if they're about equal quality, I can't. I can't. Man, I can't do it. Like, I'd rather drink myself into submission than, than deal with this shit. So here's the thing about Adam Sandler's career. He was pretty okay, like, back in the day, like, Billy Madison's a funny movie. Happy Gilmore's a funny movie. Like, he was this little benign lump that, like, just kind of was there and he was okay. But his career just kind of missed its built-in kill switch and just kind of ran rampant. And he's become this malignant, cancerous growth that just won't die. Yeah. I mean, I think the last good movie he's had was Click. I thought Click, you know, Click started out as a, a super generic Adam Sandler movie at the beginning, but then in the final act, it really became something more than just a super generic Adam Sandler movie. It was it. The message was basically, you know, cherish cherish what you have while you have it because you might not have it for long. And it we got really sad, like it. It's a bad. It's it's an okay movie up until the third act, in which case it becomes a good movie. So I, I'll take your word for it. I'll probably never watch that movie, I, and I don't blame you, <laughs> considering Adam Sandler's track record. But it's it's probably his last best movie. I I kind of think that he fell off after uh, the Water Boy. So <sighs> the the ridiculous six. <laughs> The Ridiculous Six is, I guess, I'm going to use the word parody, but it's not a parody because it's not really funny. It's not a satire either. But oh. it's, what? what is the, what even is this movie? A, a reference, I guess? Uh, like, it's just one giant reference? So it's, it's a parody of Hateful Eight. Yeah. So it's a Wild West movie. And it's, oh my god, it's really bad. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, so it has your typical Adam Sandler cavalcade of characters. Like, it has Adam Sandler himself. It has Nick Swartzen. It has, yep. it has Rob Schneider, which I honestly thought he was dead at some point. David Spade. David Spade. It has Nick Swardson. I might have already said Nick Swardson. I don't fucking know. You did. Yeah, whatever. I'm leaving. <laughs> you know, whatever. 
surprisingly, no Kevin James. I guess apparently Netflix's budget wasn't big enough for Kevin James or what the fuck ever. <laughs> yeah, he's a D-lister. They couldn't oh, get him on this Steve project. Steve Buscemi. Steve Buscemi is in this fucking movie. Yeah. I'm try- and, and this that's all I can think of from like your regular cast of characters from from yep. a Sandler movie. Like So within the first five minutes of this film, they start throwing out the shitty Wild West theme jokes, such as the film opens up at this general store where Adam Sandler is grabbing some shit that he needs or whatever, and this gang of bandits called the Left Eye Gang because they all wear eye patches on their right eye, which, like, supposedly they all cut their, their right eyes out because they're called the Left Eye Gang. Because that's, I guess, something that happened in the Old West. They start throwing out these shitty Wild West-themed insults. Like, they call him Chemo Slobby. Mm-hmm. And he's with an Indian woman that they call Pocahot Tits. Yep. And Which is, like... Dude, and if you're none gonna, of it if lands, you're gonna commit to a period, if you're gonna commit to a time period, commit to the time period. Don't start bringing in shit from like 2002. Just don't do it. <laughs> don't don't do it. So, <sighs> Adam Sandler plays a character called White Knife because mm-hmm. he's white and he has knives. Yep. His girlfriend, who is an Apache woman, her. <sighs> Her name is Smoking Fox. Yep. Yep. That's a real thing that happened in a real movie. Yep. I, I, you can't even, you can't even expand on that. So he goes into this fucking general store. He tells the guy he needs like flour and a carrot covered with peanut butter. In the worst fake (laughs) Native American accent possible. Yeah. Like, it's just, I, I, within the first five minutes, you, like, I was, I was talking about this earlier. I knew within the first 10 minutes of Alien Abduction that it was a bad movie. I knew in the first five that this was a bad movie. And it went on for a half an hour longer. I want that, I just want that thrown out there. Yeah. It's fucking weird. So, all of the... Native Americans in it speak broken English, so they leave out all of their A's, the's, all shit like that. And they all yep. have really fucking stupid, like, fake Indian-sounding names. So there was a woman named Never Wears Bra. Yeah. Who, I looked in the credits, that is apparently Adam Sandler's wife. Oh my god. I... So, Nick Nolte's in this movie. <laughs> yep. he's adam sandler's dad and like the main driving force between what they call a plot in this movie (laughs) so basically his dad is part of this notorious gang of outlaws and he Shows up in this Apache village where Adam Sandler lives and says, you know, I hid $50,000 from our last score nearby here. I want you to have it because I want to do something good before I die because I'm sick and blah, blah, blah. Mm -hmm. And 
then his gang shows up and takes him away. So his motivation is to try to go and like rescue his dad and yep. give his gang this money so that they won't kill his dad who is dying anyway and who he never met. Yeah. So as he goes along through this stupid movie, he runs into these different characters who are, he finds out also his brothers because apparently Nick Nolte got down a lot in the old West. Get down on it. <sighs> so the first one that he meets is played by Rob Schneider. And God, there's so many like blatantly racist things in this movie. So Rob Schneider is a Mexican stereotype. He walks around with this giant sombrero and a donkey that he talks to. And that's he calls a burrow. Yep. And that's He doesn't call it he doesn't call it donkey, he calls it burrow the, the entire time. And that is the depth of his character. Yep. Um the donkey shits everywhere constantly cuz poop is funny, I guess. No, no, it, it has diarrhea twice. Once to explain that it has diarrhea and another time to advance the plot. When it shits on Robert. somebody, yeah. Taylor Lautner, a person who obviously will never act again, is in this movie. <laughs> Clearly peaked with Twilight. <laughs> oh, shit, dude. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, sorry, that's fucking good, because he won't. <laughs> so, in this film, Taylor Lautner plays a mentally retarded kid who fucks fruit and rambles on incoherently like a Looney Tune. He, yeah, he, literally, he literally, in the scene that he's introduced, or like one of his first couple scenes, talks about fucking a cantaloupe. Yep. That happens. Yeah, I remember that. Yep. I don't... I just want Well, golly, to... we better go on down and find Paul. I don't... I don't know. I, I don't know. What, how, what how, the fuck was how he thinking? Like, how did that character... I... Like... Ah. Uh... Like how how is your agent so bad that you get no roles off of you know say what you will about Twilight like they were popular movies when they came out how did his agent mm. not get him another acting role and he ended up being in goddamn ridiculous 6 Well don't forget he was in that movie that was based in Pittsburgh I forget what the movie was called but he that was like the only other movie I've seen him in other than Twilight and Shark Boy and Lava Girl. Oh my god. <laughs> yeah. Don't forget that was him in Shark Boy and Lava Girl. Wow. But like like I I guess he just doesn't give a shit because he made enough money off of Twilight that he just feels like he doesn't have to do anything. I don't know, but I do That's know that in this movie he ends up getting his dick sucked by the burrow. Yeah. That's I remember that scene. That was the worst scene possible. <sighs> These are jokes that people wrote and they got paid to tell them. So the next brother that they meet 
is this huge Genghis Khan looking bitch who literally communicates in grunts and gestures. <laughs> you know who that is, right? Have you ever seen Lost? Yeah, it's Jorge Godzilla, Gar- it's, it's Garcia. Hurley. It's Hurley from Lost. I was like, are you kidding? That's, that's arguably one of the best Lost characters. Yeah. <laughs> you threw his actor on a guy who just emotes. He he grunts and points at shit, and that is his dialogue. This this Aww. this movie is just a chronicle of people who were big names in acting and in films and stuff that just will never ever be relevant again, with the possible exception of the next brother, which is Terry Crews. Terry Crews will never not have a role because <laughs> Terry Crews is, is, is A, muscular. B, charismatic. Like, he he actually has some charisma in this film. I mean, it's kind of, it's kind of like, like, beat upside the head because, with a baseball bat because of, like, the terrible plot. But he actually does have charisma in general, not just in this film. Like, he has a little bit in this film, but... In general, he has charisma. So like, he's the only thing in this forever. film that you might say is kind of a saving grace for it. Yeah. So the last two brothers are Terry Crews and Luke Wilson, which they must have been running out of time, or like the budget was getting yeah. tight because they introduced which, them both in the same scene. Which is funny because when you think about, uh, you know, saving time, they could have cut the entire baseball scene to save time. Yeah. Just a thought, just a thought that the baseball scene had no fucking point of being in the movie, that they could have just fucking cut that and saved time and then actually gave people real introductions. Do you I don't think, know. Do you think any of this movie I, had a point? No, but I, apparently, apparently, this movie's too smart for me to have ever gotten money from Netflix. Because I, I would never have thought to cut, like, apparently, thinking about cutting the fucking baseball scene... Means I'm an idiot. And this is what Netflix wanted. I don't know. So, Terry Crews goes on making jokes about being black because I guess being black is funny in the universe of this movie. Um, Luke Wilson is just generally uninteresting throughout. Oh, yeah. The joke joke with Terry Crews is that uh, he's just like, hey, guys, I don't know if you noticed this, but I'm black. So he's kind of like hopeful the people were seeing past his, his being yeah. black, just to be like, "Hey, we like you for you." I to I, to I which Rob Schneider replies, "Oh, well, I have a confession too. I'm actually Swedish," and they're like, "I'm pretty sure you're Mexican," and he's like, "My mother is such a lying bitch." I I laughed at that part. I'm yeah, sorry. that's kind of like the biggest letdown of this movie is that they occasionally have a couple jokes that like are almost good enough to make it seem like a funny movie, but then you realize that you're watching Ridiculous 6. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, I think I, I counted and I tallied. I laughed about five times. And not like the last you hear on this show. It's kind of like, <laughs> and that's it. Like, it's nothing elongated, like because, you know, the, the shit Caleb actually says in the show is funny. I want you <laughs> to understand that. What Caleb says is actually funny. What was said in the Ridiculous Six was worthy of a chuckle and, and never me being paralyzed by laughter. 
So, there you go. I think that probably the funniest thing in this movie was the uh, background to Luke Wilson's character. He was a bodyguard Uh for President Lincoln, and he was in Ford's theater with him, and he was like, oh man, I gotta go to the bathroom, and all this stuff, like, you want me to bring you back a drink or a hot pretzel or something? And, like, Abe and Mary Todd Lincoln are just like, nah, nah, we're fine, whatever. And he goes down the hall towards the bathroom, and he runs into John Wilkes Booth, and he's like, hey, have you seen President Lincoln here? And Luke Wilson's just like, oh, yeah, he's, like, right there in that booth. Like, you're a big, famous actor. Like, go and introduce yourself to him. I'm sure President Lincoln will be excited to meet you. So he goes into the bathroom and he's sitting there taking a shit and he just hears a gunshot and he looks up and he's like, Oh fuck. (laughs) (laughs) That was, I wasn't expecting that. I I was expecting like, there's a point where Luke Wilson holds his breath. Like he says he can hold his breath very long. That's like his thing. And then He's he, he's in like a little pond where he holds his breath and he comes out and he just shoots the guns out of dude's hands and it's like, okay, yeah. he didn't explain that. That's interesting. Like, you've made me interested in his character somehow. Like you, like how did you do that? Where you did that for him, but you can't do that for the other five people in your group. But you but then after that, works? he does literally one other thing in the movie. Yeah, which is get shot. Yeah, he ta- yeah, he takes a bullet for Adam Sandler, and, it's just, and Adam Sandler what a waste. goes up as, as a fucking as a fucking ghost of fucking Abraham Lincoln, and the fucking Burrow is is the ghost of Abraham Lincoln's wife, who I can't remember her name. Of Alan Coon is going to be so upset with me right now. That that probably was the second funniest part of the movie was was that feet like the quote unquote fever dream. That's fucking so dumb. Oh, man. So, as I said before, David Spade, of course, has to be in this movie. He shows up as General Custer, Mm -hmm. and they comment on the length of his hair, and he makes the quip that, you know, the, the barber was inexperienced or not very good or whatever. So he decided to let it grow out so that he didn't Uh get scalped. So that right, that was a joke. Didn't you about the the Indians, right? It, it you thought it was funny, right? No, I didn't think that was funny. Yeah, I missed that. And it, like <laughs> David Spade being on the on the screen was just like, hey, look, it's David Spade. Yep. He's still around. V- Did you fucking know that Mark Twain was Vanilla? Ice? Yes, Vanilla Ice plays Mark Twain, and I, uh, he, he raps poetry. And drinks from a hip flask. I didn't realize it until the credits, but fucking Vanilla Ice is in this goddamn movie, too. And Blake Shelton. Let's not forget Blake Shelton is Wyatt Urban. (sighs) Jesus. There was more time dedicated in this movie to jokes about shit than they dedicated to the movie's climax. Yeah. I don't... I just kind of want to be done talking about this movie because this movie doesn't deserve as much time as we're giving it. It's just... Like, like there's... Like, the interesting thing was, like, the the twist in that, you know... It's not... Inter- 
interesting is a bad word for it because interesting would imply that you know it actually makes them like it means the movie is you know somewhat good no this movie isn't good but like the intriguing thing about it is the the father made it made it all up and like as soon as it's revealed they actually raised a hundred thousand dollars the father's like oh okay i'm gonna turn my whole gang on you and collect the money so he did it all for the money or as fred durst would say he did it all for the nookie Fucking like that's probably <laughs> that's probably the like the most interesting part of the movie is the fact that you know the father's still a piece of shit. I don't know. That's that's just me. Yeah, I don't. I mean, I wouldn't really call that interesting, but it's probably yeah. the closest thing to an interesting thing in the movie. It, it's and it and it's interesting for lack of a better term. Yeah. Really, it's definitely something that was in the movie. Yeah. That's that's what you can say. Yep. Uh, I, so, uh, one star, Netflix and Swill approved. Can I give it zero stars? Is that a possibility? No, because we couldn't give Alien Abduction zero stars. So, Alien Abduction was better than this movie. I'm gonna throw that out there right now. <laughs> A high school or a fucking film school graduates project who probably actually failed was better than any what Adam Sandler put on my screen today. Yeah, it's it's real fucking bad. I we I'm I'm gonna request this of you. Can we fucking space these out? Like, can we can we not do like? Because I really don't want to do whatever the Adam Sandler movie is with David Spade as the fucking whatever <laughs> next week. Like, can we, can we, like, can we wait till like November or December for the fucking next one? Because I, I can't deal with it. Well, like, you'll know when you see my Facebook post tagging you in it. Uh, uh, <laughs> <sighs> All right, so we we give this a combined one star. I'm so down from that movie. Is there anything you'd like to plug before we head out of here? Not really. Um, I just wanted to say from uh, the bottom of my heart, especially to Nick, who's been really supportive of what we're trying to get started here and has been definitely giving us a big initial bump for our audience, as well as anybody who listened to the first episode will listen to this episode. Anybody who's given feedback you know, told a friend, anything like that. Thank you so much for doing that. It really means the world to me. Yeah, amen to that. I mean, I have nothing else more to really add to that. You know, exactly what you said. It's really, it's really cool. It's, um, I always kind of doubt myself after the fact whenever I take on something creative like this. So once the first episode went up, I was like, oh man, what if, what if everybody thinks it's shit? But a lot of people gave me actually some good uh, positive feedback on it. And, you know, we had our, our audio issues. Hopefully that's mostly going to be resolved and something we're, we're going to continue to work on and improve our quality over time. So, I mean, this is only episode two. I mean, there are, if you heard the epic film, guys... On their first episode, it was just Nick, like, I think it was just Nick talking yep. to a phone. So, you know, we both have actual microphones that actually capture sound that are supposed to do that, so. 
Yep. So just thank you again and uh, stick around. We'll keep getting better at this. You can find me on Twitter at Dan of Action. You can find my YouTube channel, Dan Brennick, if you search that into YouTube. You can find Caleb's Twitter at C underscore Leb 2021 or C Leb 2021. That's a reference to C Lab, which I learned last week. Yep. You can also find the podcast on Twitter, Netflix and Swill, and on Facebook, Netflix and Swill. Uh, you can do other stuff with us, you know, like diddle yourself. Yeah. I mean, you can just put this podcast on, kick back, and rub one out. With our sexy, sultry voices. Yep. <laughs> we have them. <laughs> You love them. (laughs) (laughs) Limit five pumps per customer. This is all staying in the episode. Oh, it is. Somehow we've we've put Dr. Tran into an episode before we got Cautionary Tales of Swords into an episode. I want to just find that Don't worry. A Cautionary Tales of Swords clip is going to play after our first promo break. Holy shit. We didn't even bring up that uh, fucking Shaolin Fantastic ends up with a cane sword. Oh yeah, that's fucking right. What a boss! Yeah. Holy shit, I forgot. And about then that. he promptly loses it the first time that he fights somebody. Ugh, what a fucking idiot! <laughs> fucking stupid! Don't you know the swords will fucking cut you wide open? Apparently, he needs a television show to give him that information. Let that be a cautionary tale to him. <laughs> <laughs> Technically, well, it it was in the in the podcast last week. I mentioned cautionary tales of swords. So, oh, that's true. That's true. That's we talked about it for like three minutes, and I was hammered. And you you kept telling me to stop talking about cautionary tales of swords. <laughs> Caleb, we're gonna have Nick on at some point. Can we just save it for that episode, please? Oh man. <laughs> All right. Well, like I said, follow us on the social medias. Myself, Caleb, and the podcast. Give us some feedback. Let us know what we can do to make your podcast experience better. Most of the time, I'll tell you you're wrong and shut the fuck up. Other times, Caleb will tell you, hey, that's a good idea. We should actually incorporate that. (laughs) Depends on who gets to it first. Exactly. So, until next week, everybody, I have been Dan. I've been Caleb. Thank you for listening to Netflix and Swill. You've been swilling. Now get chilling. Peace out, everybody. Peace out, A-Town Down. You've mistaken me for someone who cares. I'm just a dude.